You're listening to Heart Food Podcast, episode 85 with Lucia Holly. Welcome to Heart Food Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Pardo, nutritional therapy practitioner and private chef. This is a show that tells you the truth about food, nutrition, movement, mental health, mindfulness, and body image, all with a hefty dose of real talk. This show will inspire you, change your mindset, and help you feel more confident and comfortable in your own skin inside and out. To find the show notes for each episode and to sign up for my weekly newsletter, visit ashleypardo.com. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Ashley K. Pardo. Find me on YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ashley Pardo. If you have a question to be answered on this podcast, please email it to heartfoodpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Heart Food Podcast. I'm so excited to share this particular episode with you today with my friend Lucia. We had such a great conversation and she is just such a soothing presence to be around. As you'll hear in the episode, Lucia is uh, has an MSW, Masters of Social Work, and she's also a nutritional therapy practitioner. So she has that unique blend of psychology and nutrition which helps her um, help her clients through transformation, which is, you know, very similar to my own background. I studied psychology in undergrad. Um, Obviously, you guys know I, I do nutrition, but nutrition and feeding yourself, nourishing yourself, creating structure in your day to have self care and all of that. It is not easy for the most part. And sometimes we do need some structure to do that. We talk about that a lot in this episode. We talk about nutrition for mental health and alleviating anxiety. We speak about how we are both sort of in that gray area when it comes to navigating diet culture because we do believe that the nutrition that we eat is very powerful and it's great to focus on mainly whole foods because obviously they regulate hunger and they help you feel awesome. And then having, you know, obviously other worth of things that that you want as they come up. And we spoke a lot about just advocating for yourself and speaking up for yourself and, and saying what you need and, and also why being kind is hard to is hard sometimes to yourself. Sometimes it's really easy to be kind to other people, but to do it to ourselves can feel very difficult. So I just want you to listen to the episode when we get to that time because we really speak on so many awesome things. Also, another bit of housekeeping um Prep Like a Pro 2.0 has been postponed one week. I'm just making sure that I have all the content in there that I want you all to participate in. So now it is going to begin on June 24th to 28th. So I cannot wait for that. Like I said, I'm also giving away a thermopen at towards the end of that week. But again, it is so comprehensive and I just want to make sure that everything is set to go, ready to go, amazing, and also that it reaches as many people as possible. So if you would like to sign up for that, please check out the show notes. Um, It is in there and I will be announcing it to the public this coming Friday. And um, 
can't wait to support you in that. It is totally free. It's going to help you learn to cook, learn to batch cook, organize your week, uh, prioritize your nutrition, which is awesome. So definitely encourage you to sign up for that because it is truly amazing. And also I have a big announcement and I can't remember if I spoke about this on last week's episode. Like if I even warned warned or like gave you a heads up that I have a big announcement and I have been really hesitant to talk about this because it has felt like well it's been in the works for a really long time and it's also felt like is it gonna act is this actually happening is this something that we are actually going to do and happen in our lives and as of a couple weeks it is 100% official uh my husband Derek and I are moving to Portland, Oregon. What? That is a huge thing that we're going through. So if you've heard me sort of talking about um, a big change that we're going through and, and maybe some stress and anxiety and fear that's happening of us literally moving from one corner of the country in South Florida to the upper top left of the country in Oregon, um, you know, We are so happy to be making this change. We already have an apartment and we are also going to try to be a one car household, which we will see how that goes. But this is really such a meaningful and significant, I mean, those are the same things, meaningful moment for me, especially and my family, which is, um, you know, my husband, (laughs) but, um, you know, I have been dreaming of having an online business for a long time, even before I knew like what I would do. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to work on the internet because I can just reach so many people. And I know that my message is, you know, it resonates with a lot of women, which I'm so grateful for. And especially if you're a consistent listener to this podcast, I love you so much. I love the messages that I get from you all. Um, But, you know, I, before I even knew how it would happen, like I was putting it in motion. So it has been probably seven years that I have been on this journey of like, okay, having an in-person private chef business, knowing that that would never be like the thing that would just be a step on the path. And, you know, I love the quote by Joseph Campbell, which is that it's only your path because you create the steps as you go, which is why we can't really like follow a path that we think is going to happen, the path reveals itself as you go in the present moment. So um, for me, cooking was just cooking and having that business was like a step for me to get the education and the skills that I needed in order to teach cooking full time um, as part of my business, which, you know, one of my signature courses is all around that. Actually, the only like signature course that I have is around cooking because I know that is a big problem for people. I know it's a big issue for the home cook, the mom that has kids that are screaming and, you know, needs to feed them and and make dinner for the person who is, you know, alone at home and just wants to like just make something based off of what they have in their fridge. So, I knew that there was a need, so I just set out to educate myself about it as much as I could, and I found that in in my private chef job, but obviously that was something that tied me down to Miami for a really long time, so after Derek and I were together for about two years, we decided that we wanted to move. We were both really sick of Miami. He has never left Miami before. 
um, he's 36 and, you know, he's in his family business. So that sort of was his incentive to stay here. But he always kind of felt like even in his, you know, sort of previous life, felt like he wanted to um, move and maybe live somewhere else. And I personally have always felt connected to the West Coast, to that life, to like just the vibe out there. And we spent like the last couple years just sort of traveling for fun, obviously, to enjoy ourselves, but then also like to explore cities that we thought that we might want to live in with the mindset of like, could we live here? So we went to like San Diego and LA, San Francisco, northern, further north, (laughs) California, um, you know, Carmel, we went to Denver, uh, Austin, Austin was like the number two place that we were going to go to. And we actually thought that uh, Austin was going to be our place because I know a lot of people there. And I love the city. So I already had like sort of a built in ready community there. Um, We went to Denver, we went to so many places and like, Portland was just always a place that we wanted to go. We love the mountains and we love the greenery. We love the forests. We love that nature and hikes. We are both more mountain people despite being raised (laughs) near the ocean. Um, And I remember like maybe about a year ago, we were set on Austin and we were started like looking at places and just kind of figuring out what it would take to go there. And he's like, and Austin was sort of our safe bet because we thought like, okay, if we are moving, might as well be close to family. It's about a two hour flight. There's direct flights. And we really made it like a real thing. And then, you know, he comes to me, Derek comes to me and he's like, you know what? Like, if we're going to do this, why are we going to go halfway? Like, why are we not going to go to the mountains? Why aren't we going to go like all the way towards what we really want if we're doing this? And like, if you read my old <laughs> blog, The Grizzly Kitchen, you know, the saying was like, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So we decided to just take the plunge and go where we really wanted to go because Austin, although that would have been scary too, that would have been our safe bet. That would have been the place that, you know, was sort of like more in our comfort zone a little bit not so much portland is super out of our comfort zone because there's no direct flights from miami it takes a full day to get there so it's you know not like we can just come home on a whim not like our families can come like whenever they want to it's like you have to plan a full day to get there and a full day to get back it's really annoying um but that's where our hearts belong that's where we feel like we belong and we have been there several times So when we went there at the beginning of March, we actually went to start going to look at places and to figure out the area that we wanted to go to. And we decided on an area and about two weeks ago, we finalized on our apartment. But the reason that this is meaningful for me is mainly two reasons. First of all, I think many of us think like, you know, the life that we truly want to live. And then we think like, can I really have that? Like, it's not possible. I can't make it happen. And there's a lot of limiting beliefs that come up with that thought process, especially if it's like a huge change, something extreme. And I know that with, you know, planning and organizing and future casting and believing and visualizing, like all of this can be possible. And within the last year or so, I have really made my coaching business, my online business, my full-time thing. And I could not be more grateful 
and I could not be more um, just really happy and proud that, you know, we were able to make this happen, that we were able to do something that was aligned with what we truly want and what we truly desire in our hearts. And I can't wait to share the journey. We're actually driving there with Miss Faye. Uh, we're leaving on July 18th, 2019, which is very soon. It's like in five and a half weeks from when this episode comes out. And it's about a 50 hour drive. We've already mapped all our routes, uh, all of our routes. We're starting in obviously Miami, then going to Alabama, then Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Salt Lake City, Boise, then Portland. So obviously, I will keep you all posted on how everything goes and documenting this. But again, this is just a sign and signal to you that you can have whatever you want with the correct intention, with a lot of action, a lot of trust. Just know that it might not happen at the moment that you wanted to. We personally just like wanted to get married and and sort of um, start our new life this way. So You'll hear that in the episode briefly, and I will speak a little bit more on this going forward, but um, enjoy the episode with Lucia. Be sure to reach out to her at Essential Omnivore on Instagram or find her at www.essentialomnivore.com. If you go to her website, she actually has a freebie guide about stress that you can download. I highly suggest downloading it. She also takes one-on-one clients, so be sure to say hi and hope you guys love this conversation and thank you for listening to that long portion uh, if you're still with me but I did want to keep you updated and we will chat next week thank you so much for coming on the show today Lucia yeah not a problem I'm so excited to be here I'm so excited to have you here with me today and you know you and I have so much in common with our businesses and the essence of what we teach and our mindset, we know that embarking on a health journey is not just about food. Uh, And arguably, that's the most important part. So I would love if we could start the show. This is how I start the show with all the guests by talking about what you do and what brought you to begin doing this work. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. Um, And I also have my master's in social work, clinical mental health. So I totally geek out on and I'm a total nerd about the connection between our brains and our guts. I love that connection just from what I studied, um, what I see with clients. So I work with clients one-on-one around nutrition and mindset. But really, which I think, you know, as we've talked about before, so much of this stuff comes back to a personal journey and really trying to figure out, like, how do I feel my best? Or, hey, I don't feel very good, and I feel like I could maybe feel differently. Let me try to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So my journey is definitely long and winding. I wish I had like an elevator pitch, like 20 seconds, like this is what happened. This is how I yes. fixed it. <laughs> but I have a couple different like stops along the road. So the first, which I'll just, you know, kind of glaze over, but, um, and it's interesting, this first one. So I was a teenager who was really heavy set. Um, I was about 80 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and so there was this big focus when I was growing up on losing weight and on being thinner, which I think is pretty common for most like kids who are growing up in the nineties, right? Like, and the pressure and like, it's just so ubiquitous for us. Yeah. Yeah. And you're coming of age and your body's changing anyway, and you don't know what the heck is happening. So it was actually really interesting. My, you know, I didn't do a lot of diets, but there was one year when I was about 13 or 14, 
um, that my parents said, hey, we're all going to try this diet called Atkins, and we're all just going to do it together, uh, but you're going to do it. So I did it, and you know, Atkins and low-carb dieting can get a really bad rep, and I think we need to use it with a lot of care, but for me, in that part of my life, it was really life-changing. My body dropped a lot of weight, which I now recognize was a lot of inflammation. Yeah. I think I was really sensitive to refined carbohydrates and just didn't know it. There weren't really dialogues around sugar aside from like, just don't eat it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that really opened my eyes up to the fact that the foods that I was eating were affecting how I was feeling and that how I was feeling was also correlated with how my body was presenting. So that was really the first time that I was like, oh, hey, I actually get to have some say in how I'm feeling and what's going on in my life. So that was a big part. And then I'll zoom ahead to another time. So when I was about 19, 20, I started to experience a lot of panic attacks, a lot of anxiety attacks. Mm. And I'm totally a sensitive person, an empath. I'm really shy. But that was the first time in my life that I was like, whoa, panic and anxiety is taking over my life. And I wasn't really sharing it with anyone. I was keeping it really like private and hidden because I, I was really embarrassed. I was like, I feel like I'm out of control. What is going on? How did that um, sort of manifest? Like how did the panic and anxiety manifest in, in your life? Yeah. So they would come about after stressful situations. It really kind of felt like my ability to tolerate stress really rapidly diminished. Like instead of having a cup that I could like fill up and up, like a really tall, like you know, cup, it became like a little short tumbler. And all of a sudden, I would have some like, stressful, but doable event occur. And then my body would go into overdrive, it felt really hyper reactive. So I figured out, you know, and I was going to the doctor saying, I don't feel good, something feels wrong. And they're saying, well, you know what, you're young, you're capable, like pat you on the back, send you off on your way. And I was like, this is this isn't helpful or like, I don't want a medication or it's not all up in my head. I get to trust my body. Um, so I found out that there was a correlation between gluten and gluten consumption and products that contain gluten uh, and your mood and affect. I was in college at the time. I was just looking up different studies because I was a total nerd and yeah. I'm on, you know, like the university's library. And I found this one study out of like Sweden that was looking at kind of mental wellness inventory and, gluten intake. And the kids who took out gluten for a certain amount of time experienced fewer, you know, presentations of anxiety and depression and symptoms of those. So I said, okay, well, I can try that. And, you know, I did that Atkins thing years ago and I kind of just took out gluten, but didn't know it at that point. Let me try this again. Mm. So I took out gluten. I didn't take out all carbohydrates by any stretch, but I took out gluten containing products. And within two weeks, I stopped having panic attacks. Oh my God. Like I'm getting <laughs> chills. I'm getting chills right now because it is so real. And I get yes. so annoyed as a side note when people are like, there's no connection. I'm like, yes, there is. And it's like so clear. Yeah. It was yeah. so profound and it was so life-changing because mm. I was, you know, there is, I was in school at the time and there's a lot of privilege around that. Um, but I had really like, I was taking a lot of classes and was putting a lot of pressure on myself to excel and in addition to the anxiety and panic attacks, I couldn't focus on my schoolwork. My brain was swimming. I had a lot of you know, foggy thoughts. I just wasn't clear and couldn't focus. So after those two weeks, the panic attacks went away. My like, brain <laughs> cleared out basically. And schoolwork felt like how it used to feel. You know, 
few years prior. So that really just spurred my interest to say, wow, not only can food have an effect on how your body looks, right, because of that weight loss that I had experienced previously, but it really, really can impact your mental health and your well, just really your sense of well-being. So from there, you know, then I was like, okay, I get to trust myself. I get to trust that I really wasn't feeling okay and that that is okay, but there are probably more options than maybe what Western medicine was telling me. And I think there's a big time and place for Western medicine. So, you know, nothing against it, but it's really good for acute issues. And I was experiencing something that was more of a chronic issue. Yeah. And that is like, you know, what you just said right now by being able to trust what you felt, like, especially in the presence of other professionals, other experts that are telling you like, it's all in your head. It's, it's okay. I feel like that's so common. And then we just sort of internalize that. And we're like, we doubt ourselves. We're like, and it ends up, it's like double uh, bad in our brains because we're like, okay, I, I feel like crap mentally. And then like someone's telling me that I'm not feeling that way. So like, what is happening? <laughs> it's yeah. just like a whole big mess. And this is something that is so common. Uh, and it's, I'm so glad that now people are having more honest conversations uh, about this because it's so real that many of us who are sensitive, you know, highly sensitive people, empaths that feel differently, that might have mental health stuff that, you know, come to me and they say, like, maybe a client comes to me and they say, I'm just really feeling horrible in my head. And I've been there too. Like, I know exactly what that feels like. And just with a few tweaks, I cannot even begin to say, like, you know, echoing what you were saying, the profound impact that it can have just like on everything. And, you know, I feel like with the work that we're doing, you know, hopefully it's contributing to that conversation just to opening up people's minds uh, with the possibilities of what can happen. Exactly. Right. And, you know, the other thing that was really eye-opening for me too, was anything that I started to learn about nutrition, especially from, you know, like being like, what is gluten? Like, what is it in? You know, starting to teach myself these things here and there and expanding beyond gluten. After that, I was like, well, I got to keep talking about this stuff because nothing is rocket science. Yeah. Like you can keep, I think, you know, most of the principles that you and I are teaching, like about like the brick and mortar ideas around food and nutrition and like those foundations of health, an eight-year-old could understand, right? Yes, like it's yes. not, it's not these high level things. So I was like, I have to keep talking about this because if I can help one more person not experience what I was experiencing, then it's worth it then like, you know, check, done. So being in service to other people around these subjects is really just to say like, you get to trust how you're feeling. You don't have to feel like you're in this almost like double bind, like you were saying, of feeling like you can't trust yourself, but also medical professionals are saying like, keep not listening to yourself. What's the point of that? You get to trust yourself. It's going to be scary, hard work a lot of the time. Yeah, But it's probably going to be worth it. If you are getting like a little ping to search and dig a little bit deeper, you can trust that. Yeah. And I think you can, you know, there's another side to this conversation um, in the sense that like we can do a lot with lifestyle and food and movement and meditation and, and whatever else, like any of the million things that we can do to make ourselves yeah. feel better holistically. But then I also think that there you know, that people should be open if they, if that isn't working 
hundred percent. Like I feel like some people just go too hard sometimes in like yeah. in the health world of like, let me just buy like five hundred dollars a month worth of supplements and let me no. get, you know, let me <laughs> Don't like, do it. hire these like more experts and like just getting like millions of tests done on themselves, like try to get to the root of the issue with when like maybe there is a Western uh, you know, thing that can help you feel better too. And that's okay. You know, I had that, you know, sort of, um, come up in my life because I've had my own fair share of like anxiety and depression. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, I was like, and I think I talked about this on your podcast was like, I was doing all the yoga and like, I wasn't feeling better. And like, I was eating perfectly. I was doing AIP at that time and like just so strict and like if I just get stricter then I'll feel better and I ended up getting on Prozac Mm -hmm. to help me feel better with my anxiety and depression and it like gave me my life back and I had so much resistance to it because I was like I shouldn't have to do this like there's so many I know so much about like nutrition and movement if I just like do it a hundred percent it should work and it's not working that brought a lot of shame too but then when I started taking that medication I was like, oh, there's just like something in my brain that just needed maybe a little bit of tweaking that like, thank God this medicine is here to help me. And that like was something that I procrastinated for a long time too. But I think it's important again, just to like trust yourself to know like, okay, I'm doing everything right. And like something is still wrong. So like another avenue. Yeah. And yeah, exactly that. It's such a fine line. And, you know, I feel like you and I are like piggybacking off of the podcast that we recorded last week. Yes. We talked a lot about like dabbling in the gray area. And I think that conversation around medication and medication use is totally part of that gray area. And we can Mm -hmm. have like, you know, zealots or zealots on either side saying like, just a lot of it comes back to that, I think, fix yourself mentality. So I think a lot of people will say like, just fix yourself with food and nutrition and call it good. And if you aren't doing that or you're not doing it hard enough, then you're broken or you're lazy. Right. And like, that's not a healing dialogue either. Mm -hmm. So being able to join both forces and say like, what will truly serve you if you really step back and assess all the tools that are available to you. And if you're authentically doing that, then like medication is on the table too, or, you know, anything else that might fit more under the, um, paradigm of Western medicine. So I love hearing that. And um, for anyone who doesn't know, I have Hashimoto's. So I have Mm. an autoimmune condition with my thyroid. And that is a Mm. conversation that comes up a lot for people in that arena saying like, I'm I'm feeling pushed with natural wellness to not take medication or to get off my medication. Yeah. But really, there's this beautiful middle arena where for a lot of people, taking medication for your thyroid or that hormone to help you feel your best is one of the best options, especially if it can be coupled with those lifestyle practices that help you feel more able to be balanced in yourself. Yes, I love that. And and again, it all comes down to like knowing yourself and trusting like you know when you feel off, especially yeah. if you're a sensitive person, which most of the people that listen to this podcast are like just like us. So like, yeah. you know, your gut tells you that, um, you know, something can be off. And something else that I think is very prevalent right now is like, you know, obviously we just talked about food having a big impact on the way we feel. How do we sort of reconcile, and we talked about this on your podcast too, um, getting into the language of diet culture 
around giving specific nutritional recommendations because like in, you know, the people who are very into just like strict intuitive eating, like don't have any rules, like zero structure, which I know doesn't work for a lot of people, you know, I know they believe in gentle nutrition, but how do we sort of reconcile those two modalities of like, okay, I know these things that work for me, but am I falling into rules? Am I falling into diet culture? How do we, how do we navigate that, that really common thing that happens? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the easiest ways, at least to start, I think from my experience and experience with clients is really saying, well, what's the end goal here? You know, is your health or wellness goal or your life goal or, you know, whatever this is feeding into, let's actually deconstruct that a bit and make sure that that is really feeling authentic. Like where you feel like you're moving towards is actually something that you've created or you want. Because if if it's only being um, created for you by diet culture, then we get to kind of, you know, bring the story back to say, well, let's check in with you. So if your goal is to lose weight, right, there are going to be some camps that say, how dare you? How dare you focus on weight, right? And I think you and I like, oh, we feel this push and pull with that subject because it's so, there's just, there's a lot of emotion around it. Yeah. But if we can build out or build back from our end goal, or our end desire, how do we want to feel? I think that can tune out a lot of the noise because there's diet culture is really noisy. And it's <laughs> there's everywhere. Noise everywhere. Yeah. Yes. And especially as a sensitive person, it's so easy for that noise to then like drown out how we're feeling or how we desire to feel and those small steps that we can take to get there or just to continue to be there. Mm. So yeah, it is so, you know, that's such amazing advice. And, you know, I'm always such a fan when I hear like, just put it back on you and like what you want and honoring what works for you, uh, which is like, you know, pretty much the answer to <laughs> to like every question that I get with like nutrition and movement. Um, speaking of mental health, I get a ton of questions about specific like nutritional strategies that we can use for like to feel better if you're anxious, if you know, if you're having any sort of mental health struggle. And I know that that's real. So I would love if you could talk about just some of like some tips that you could give people to just begin feeling better today uh, Mm -hmm. with their nutrition specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Especially around anxiety and depression or just feeling like, you know, big fluctuations in mood. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the biggest things, which I know as an NTP, you're going to be like, "Uh Mm uh-huh, is blood sugar regulation and making sure that your blood sugar, you know, it isn't this on the roller coaster of the highs and lows throughout the day, which is what that standard American diet is really for a lot of people going to be reinforcing, right? Like Mm -hmm. eating big sources of refined carbohydrates. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a moral conversation that we need to get into. But if we look at the physiology of how those refined carbohydrates work in our body, especially in maybe a nutrient depleted body, which is also a crane when you're eating that standard American diet, then there is this, you know, there's this kind of work that starts to happen where we unfortunately are riding the roller coaster and our moods are riding along. So we can feel these big highs and then these deep lows. So getting blood sugar regulated, and I used to teach this uh, group nutrition class, and there was run, one round of it where I had this client, and he came in one day where it was kind of at the end of the group nutrition class, so we were reflecting 
on their experience. And they had done a nutrition challenge that would help balance their blood sugar levels. And I love him so much because he came in and can I swear on this yes, podcast? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he came in and he's like, you know, got to his turn. We're going around in a circle. He's like, oh, turns out I'm not a bitch. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I was like, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what? Like, I get, he's a super funny guy. And he's like, I get to work. I feel fine. And then by 10 a.m., every one of my clients and coworkers knows not to talk to me. Don't talk to me until noon, until I've had my lunch. And he's like, I always thought that was my personality. I thought I was just kind of a bitch. Turns out it was my blood sugar. Wow. Like yeah. tanking at that 10 a.m. period because of his really kind of high refined carbohydrate breakfast. So that, I just loved hearing that because it's, so often I really think we can start to feel like this is what, how we're supposed to feel. Yeah. And even though there's that conversation around saying like, yes, this might be part of you, can there be tweaks and can there be shifts to how we're living our lives that really start to, again, a lot of this comes back to tuning out that noise. So tuning out the noise of a blood sugar, you know, the, the crashes and the spikes and all of that, if we can get it even, then, then can we listen to our bodies and hear what they say from that state? Yeah, that is so, yeah, it always just comes back to like, listening, reflecting, uh, and again, balancing the blood sugar. Cause even though like, it's a conversation I have with myself every day, like protein is not my favorite thing to eat. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I love all food, but like if I, if it were up to me, I would only eat carbs and fat and like maybe some salmon. <laughs> that's totally. like my favorite yeah. food. Um, but you know, so that's a conversation that I always have, like, okay, I want to have this, but like, what is really going to make me feel my best? So it's like a constant balancing between like the knowing, right. you know, and uh, like my desires, you know, and, and really finding that middle point in between. Um, a lot of people who listen to this show are dieters, you know, maybe dieting right now, really like, you know, maybe this podcast for many of them has been the point like, or the step where they've realized like, oh, wow, me dieting actually has nothing to do with food. There's like yeah. a lot of stuff in my past, my beliefs, you know, stuff that's happened to me. Um, but at the same time, dieting does provide a sense of safety and control because you have like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And like, that's it. So it's safe, even though it might not feel comfortable. And I think in life, like we, as humans, we would rather stay in a familiar misery and get into an unfamiliar, potentially awesome thing, you know, even if, because it's scary to sort of move away from that, especially dieting, especially when like, it can be terrifying and it can feel like pandemonium. So how do you guide your clients and, um, you know, the people that you work with to make that switch, to let go of dieting, to then figure out what what works for them, especially with like the mindset pieces that, that go along with that, because it could feel like, oh my God, I'm out in the wild. And like, I can't trust myself and all of those stories that, that pop up. Right. Well, first I think it can be really interesting to notice like, what are you surrounding yourself with? And that almost sounds, I say that I'm like, oh, it's so cliche, but it's really true because mm -hmm. our culture we live in a dieting culture and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. But once we recognize that, then I think we inherently start to feel um, some power come back to us just to say, okay, I'm not this like black sheep 
because I don't want to be doing what culture is telling me I should be thinking about, right? Like once you recognize that, then that power can come back. And then this is going to, you know, piggyback on what I was saying before. Then you can really say, well, oh my gosh, okay. If I don't want to be feeling that, what the heck do I want to be feeling? That can be really interesting. But, you know, I think <clears throat> I love what you're saying about the, with dieting where it can feel so safe. Anytime, like almost any action we take at some point, it was adaptive, right? Yeah. Like you chose a diet for a reason. Yeah. So instead of trying to hate yourself out of dieting, which can happen, right? You feel frustrated once you recognize dieting culture is a thing. You feel frustrated that you've been on this hamster wheel of diets. Can you do the thing that is so inherently different of really kind of loving yourself through the recognition and loving the fact that you recognize that maybe this diet or this cycle of dieting, maybe you chose it because like you were saying, it was a form of control or it was the paradigm or it made sense of your world. Can you recognize that maybe you needed that at that time? And now you can hold space for yourself that it's become maladaptive. We don't have to judge that. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Yeah. It's like when you're growing up and like you have to get the next size of shoes because your feet grew. It's not bad that your feet are growing. Yeah. They're just growing. So we don't have to make either size of shoe a bad thing. But can we recognize when like the shoe doesn't fit and we need to go to the next size? So I, you know, that's a little bit of a vague answer, but really, but it's you know, not a cookie cutter process at all. You know, it's, it's like, it no, can take a long time and like, yeah, there's a lot involved. Yeah, there's a ton involved. And so really honoring yourself and saying like, okay, I recognize that this action and this can happen once you start to look at this stuff too, then you see parallels in all the different places of your life, right? So much of how we live our lives is we're living in reaction versus taking action. So stepping yeah. away from a diet is really allowing yourself to take action instead of being reactive, transforming this maladaptive pattern. And at the same time, which is a tough, really tough part, at the same time, loving it for being maladaptive. Because, oh my gosh, you tried something and it was, yes. it was adaptive at some point. And maybe that point was for like two seconds or maybe it was for two years. Who cares? You're at this point of recognition and now you get to make the paradigm shift for yourself. I love that. And this is so timely because I read your Instagram post today and I loved oh. it. And it's something that I talk about a lot. And I think it goes right along with this, that like oftentimes letting go of dieting, letting go of something, of anything that doesn't make you feel great is a, a kind act to yourself, but that can be really hard. And I always, like whenever my clients are struggling a lot, I'm like, let's just get back to kindness. Like what's the kindest thing that you can do for yourself right now? So talk about why that can feel so hard for us. And it's not like the natural, it's not like, the natural way of being for us sometimes, especially as women, we're so used to like berating and being mean. And like my yoga teacher used to say, like, are you coming at yourself like with the whip? You know, like mm. just like, how are you coming at yourself right now? Like, are you like beating yourself up? Are you coming at yourself with kindness? But why is it so hard sometimes to like, you know, shift that automatic response and be kind to ourselves? Yeah. Well, I think with kindness, when you start to think about that subject or what your actions would look like if you are being kind to yourself, it can feel like this huge loss of control, right? Like if you're not on a diet, let's say you're on a, like a 1200 calorie diet and it's 
low fat or keto or just like it has some label and it's worked for so many people, but it's not working for you. But that's just because you're lazy and you're not doing it well enough and you're secretly binging a little bit or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you start to approach that thought process with kindness, that is like a 180 from what that process has been doing for you and your body. And that process is really sympathetic. It's full of stress, right? So yes. kindness is going to bring us back into that parasympathetic state. And A, there can be some mourning and grieving, right? When you recognize, oh, wait, these actions aren't actually serving me. Well, that's a tough place to be in because if you're sympathetic and stressed out all the time, you don't really want to choose to feel bad (laughs) and be mourning, right? You're like, I'm already like, you know, tapped out. Like I'm burning the candle at both ends. I don't want to feel bad. So there can be that lack there, but also it can feel like you're spinning out of control because if you don't have the diet, then what do you have? Yeah. So that kindness, even though kindness can be clarifying, it's like any other practice. When you first start, it's going to feel kind of oogie. <laughs> yeah. like you're going to be like, I don't, I, I don't know how to be kind to myself, or I don't know how to be kind to other people, or I don't know how to not react first. Well, it's not about being a perfectionist, right? Like I think kindness is actually kind of the opposite of perfection. Yes. But it's really saying like, can I show up to this? And just see what happens. Can I trust myself that I can see what will happen and that I won't fall apart? And I think so much of our messaging in our culture is saying, if you aren't really strict and harsh on yourself, you're going to fall apart. Yeah. And yeah. Our, our culture at large, I think in the US of A, I can't speak for other cultures, but there's so much that there's so much pressure put on us to be perfect, especially as women. But I think mm-hmm. for like, people who identify as any gender, to be perfect, to do things better, faster, to be the strongest, to be, you know, just like really, really stoic, a lot of stoicism, because if you aren't that, then you must be falling apart. So I think, again, it comes back to like being this, you know, singular person in a community and saying like, oh, wait, I actually want to do something different, but that different is really scary. So it's, it's starting to kind of look at these, I think like bigger you know, in social work, we have these like three terms, you have like micro, meso and macro lenses when it comes to like community and like personal engagement. So a lot of dieting and nutrition stuff is all about the micro. It's all about the one person, which it should be because it's you and your body. Yes. But I think we also then have to contextualize ourselves and put ourselves into those meso and macro spaces. The same like, yes, I'm my own person. Like I am a sovereign person, but I also exist within the microcosm of like my neighborhood or my church or my gym or my family, my friends. Mm-hmm. And we exist in a town or a country or we have a certain president, like whatever it is, there is so much that's informing how we're feeling in the moment. So I think that I think that's just really important too. Yeah. And it's something that like I love that you just said that about the micro, meso, and macro because, like, we oftentimes if we're struggling, we think that it's just us, like, on our own yeah. too. Like, I think that's right. another way of looking at it. Is like, no, there's actually like a big community out there of like a lot of other people, and guaranteed, like, whoever's out there listening to this right now, whatever you're feeling, there's hundreds of people feeling that exact way right now, and thousands more that have felt that way. Um, 
at some point in time. Um, sometimes I love, uh, you know, I love like the conversations that we've had recently just about like going into the gray area of stuff. Um, and knowing that like for, you know, many times that is a harder place to be, but it, it's, it's more beneficial letting go of like perfectionism and thinking that we have to be black and white. And that's something that I think about a lot when it comes to like discipline and like coming at yourself with like needing that structure. And like, I am somebody who needs discipline in my life. Like if I don't have structure, like especially working from home, uh, which, (laughs) you know, I know you do too. Like if I don't like have discipline to my days and I just like kind of allow myself to like, just kind of like mosey on, like, I don't have a good day, (laughs) like, you know, so it's like a constant balancing act for me of like, you know, do I need to be a drill sergeant to myself? And like, you know, I know that I feel great if I work out. I know I feel great if I eat well. Uh, if I get up early and like do my work, even if I like really have a lot of resistance that day, I know that's kind, but then I know it's also kind to like back off. So how do you, what do you sort of think of that conversation between like discipline and structure, completely letting go? Just one little thing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed my friend, Julie Winterborn. And I was talking to her about discipline and structure. She's an intuitive um, she teaches intuitive painting, which is very oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah, she's in she's in Oakland, and she has a whole like studio and, and group coaching surrounding the intuitive painting. But um, I was telling her about discipline and structure, and she's like, "That sounds too like you're coming at yourself as the drill sergeant. It's really self dedication mm. and the rituals that come across with self dedication. So, like, what do you think about about all of that and sort of balancing like knowing what we need within each moment." Right, right. Well, I think it brings up an awesome, you know, ability to talk about like, how do you feel in the moment with discipline? Right? Because like discipline is going to look different for everyone. So if you're there doing a low calorie diet, and you're burning yourself out, and even with like, now I say that I'm like, there's a time and a place for a low calorie diet, quite frankly, if we're talking about the gray area. Sure. Like, you know, that that doesn't have to always be invalid. Mm -hmm. Um, But it sounds like, you know, what you're saying with your discipline is that it, it helps you be more present in your day. And as you chip away at the activities in your day, they're moving you towards these end goals, whether it's personal or business or working out or food and nutrition, like feeling balanced blood sugar, whatever. Mm -hmm. They're moving you towards a place that you've identified that you enjoy to be in. It's a space that you're creating for yourself that is coming back to you feeling like more of yourself. So I think that's where discipline is so powerful that it gives us so much. So if discipline is offering us us something for the long term, amazing. And there, I think there's also a different conversation with really like understanding how is this discipline serving me in the short term versus the long term, right? Yeah. Yes. Because you might be choosing something that is like, you probably don't enjoy like pushing around a really heavy weight in the moment, right? Like there's a lot oh, of tough it. stuff. Yeah. yeah. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Wanted to leave. Why am I here? <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. It's painful. It sucks. It's, yeah. Yeah. It totally is. So it's not all like butterflies and rainbows being like, oh yes, I'm going to eat my perfect for me plate. And like yes. no one will have told me about it and I'll just magically eat it. Like that's not real life. Like real yeah. life is that you're showing up to hard stuff or you're showing up to environments that aren't always about you either. Right. That's being a human. 
But if we can, again, like step back and say, hey, overall, is this supporting me and what I desire? I think that is really key. Because then if it does, perfect. Keep showing up to the hard stuff. Like wake up early. Like it sucks to get out of bed. Yes. If it really, really sucks, maybe we talk about that, right? Maybe yes. we talk about sleep quality or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But like life isn't perfect. But if overall, if things are, if you're like, if you're making things happen for yourself, I think that's really key. And that comes back to like empowerment and autonomy, mm. right? Because if you are just feeling like, okay, I need to swing from like massively dieting to not care, caring about what I'm eating at all. Is that really an autonomous choice? Yes, maybe in the short term, but in the long term, again, how does that align with some end goals that you might have for yourself? Or this is another thing that I love to bring up. Does it align with your core values? Like what, what do you value in your life? I think having those as some like, like check-ins or paradigm kind of alignment things, mm-hmm. <laughs> really great way to put it, yeah. uh, can be really, really helpful. So you feel like you're not overly disciplined or that that discipline has good reason. Yeah. Cause it's so, that's sort of like clicked for me. And I almost felt like it was like in a mini therapy session right now, just like you talking directly <laughs> to me. I was like, wow, yeah, this is resonating so much because like these are, you know, we do certain things for our future self. You know, when I know that like, if I don't go to the gym in the morning, I picture myself at, you know, noon, just not like feeling like just kind of like blah and like, as opposed to like today when it was like a normal day, I went to the gym and like, I, I hated what I did particularly today. <laughs> it like you did really, some intense lunches. Yes. I well, that's because my training partner is like very nutty and she, uh, in a great way, just like, Hey, let's do this. Like she loves to experiment. You know, her husband is a, like an amazing coach. So she learns a lot from him. So she's always like, you know, let's like try something today. And it sucked. And I like, we have a great relationship. And I think like, there's another, another conversation around being a coach and like, you're not always going to want to hear what your coach is saying, you know? And like, it, it takes strength, I think, to be a coach because you have to tell the truth. So like half the time I, we ha- we're very open about like my annoyance towards her sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. I really don't like you right now. You know, why are you making me do this? Um, but I have felt amazing since the morning. And like the way I feel in my body right now, I know was dictated by what I did this morning and like the fact that I have energy and all that stuff. Um, so I think that's such a great way of putting it. It's almost like investing in your future self every day right. with, with the things that you maybe don't want to do. Right. Um, yeah. And that your future self can be like you in a couple hours or like yeah. you in half an hour. Like it doesn't have to be this like, oh, when I'm 50, yes, like will yes. I reflect back on my life and feel yes. like I just you know, went to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no. Okay. Cool, great. And that's part of what you need. Yes. Yes. But also maybe it's totally that right. Or like going back to the blood sugar example, like yeah. could I offer myself a breakfast at 8am or 7am that is going to help me continue to feel like more of myself or this version of myself that I really enjoy and want to be working towards or show up to daily so that by 10am I still feel like myself or by lunchtime I continue to feel like myself. And on the flip of that, can I also feel okay if there's a reason why for one day or something comes up where I don't feel like that, right? Yeah. Like if I have friends over, 
the weekend and they're from out of town, like, can we go to that fun restaurant where the best thing on the menu is like a bunch of refined carbohydrates or whatever? Like, can I build in, I think, flexibility and discipline together are such an interesting subject. And I'm no expert, but just Mm -hmm. once you start to see, you know, when you're working with a lot of different people over time, you see patterns come up. And if it's not serving you and this version of yourself that you desire, that's okay. And now you can pivot. Yeah. And, and, you know, that is something that like, you know, on your podcast, we talked about like what's health, you know, and, and for a long time, I thought health was just like being perfect with everything in terms of like healthy actions that we do. But health is also like, yeah, being okay with not going to the gym, eating stuff that doesn't make you feel great sometimes. Like I didn't go to the gym yesterday because I was just exhausted when I woke up. And like, that's, I think like, a good reason. Like, you know, many people come to me and they're like, I was so tired. I'm like, it's okay then if you like, just take a day off, you know, but like, it was fine. Like, and, and that's come along with like a lot of mindset shifts of like, you know, don't sweat it. Like it's just one day or two days, even if it's a week or two weeks, like just staying in that, in that mindset of like, you know, it's going to be okay. And, and I think oftentimes having those flexible moments where like, you're not doing the things that, you know, make you feel great can really facilitate growth because you're like, oh, wow, I don't really need, like, it's awesome that these things are available, but like my well-being depends on me, my perspective, and the way that I think of myself with whatever is happening, you know? Yeah. So that was a big lesson that I needed to learn like many years ago, but you know, yeah, it's- and I think, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I think that even, you know, can come tie back into discipline, right? Like, yeah discipline is continuing to show up to something yeah right it's a practice the continuation but the interesting thing about discipline is if you're disciplined and you show up to it then like you can then you kind of have like the ratio on your side and you can have these experiences where maybe you aren't disciplined but you have that comfort of knowing that discipline will be right there for you like it doesn't go away and I think that's what Mm -hmm. kindness also comes back into is saying like what do I choose to show up to or how do I choose to be in an environment or interact in one or step away from one? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's less about projection and feeling hurt and feeling upset and being a victim. And it's also less about emotional bypassing and spiritual bypassing and some of the other stuff oh, that can God. come from yes. these conversations, which yeah. I feel like we get to have a whole different podcast. Episode yes. <laughs> but it's really just saying like, well, what do I want? And when I tune out the noise, especially as a sensitive or empathic person, when I feel like I'm like rested and able to make some decisions, what do I really want? A lot of the times it really does come back to kindness and kindness is like not prescriptive. I think it's hard to encapsulate it. So I just wanted to throw that in there because what you're saying about discipline really reminded me of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so nuanced and it's like, I feel like you have to, you know, many people come to me and it's often just the same story, like in different, different with different nuances. Like I struggle with food. I've, I've been struggling with food. I've fucked up so much when it comes to my relationship with food. Like it's just so terrible. And I'm like, hold on. Like all of that is just data. It's data. And it's also like, you know, one day you'll have gratitude. Like I feel like for those things. And I feel like at the same time, having those different experiences, going through like struggles, 
really shitty moments, like with other people within yourself. Like I feel like all of my, like the healthy place that I'm in now has come from every single high and, but mostly the lows that I've been through, you know? So I feel like all in all, it's valuable. Like whatever you've been through has some value to get you to where you want to be. Definitely. Definitely. A hundred percent. Like preach to that. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Right. Like I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I didn't want the panic attacks. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to cut out gluten. Yeah. But like the things that that opened up were huge. Oh yeah. I was going to be like a violinist and be in an orchestra. Music was going to be my life. And I had an injury that came up that like flipped that on its head. And in the moment that sucks, right? Like your yeah. whole life changes. But what that did was that it opened up this beautiful path to be able to talk about and have the space to show up for these dialogues with nutrition. So would I change that experience? No. But does it mean that it like didn't suck? No, it totally sucked. Yeah. <laughs> you can embrace the suck. That's okay. Like yeah. we're, we're capable of that. And I, that is something that diet culture, I really think loves to tell us. Uh, when I think of diet culture, I think of like Hexus from Fern Gully for anyone who watched that, like yeah. the big like smoke monster. That's yes. like solution. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's diet culture. Yeah. <laughs> but diet culture likes to tell us that we're not capable and that we can't make our own decisions and that we're broken and that we don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh. Maybe in its paradigm, but in our paradigm, we get to trust our bodies. We get to know what's going on and we get to make choices. Like any choice that we want, like any, any choice, no matter what judgment we want to put on it, doesn't matter because we get to show up to it. I love it. So true. And, and, you know, it's something that like, I think is hard to see in the moment, but like in retrospect, it's always looking back that we can be like, oh, wow, I've been through so much. And that gives you like just a heightened sense of, of like gratitude for yourself of like, wow, look how much I've overcome. Look how much I've done. Look where I am now. Um, on this podcast, we also talk a lot about, uh, like purpose, changing purposes in in life and career fulfillment. And, um, I would love to talk about like, you know, your journey of entrepreneurship a little bit. And also like what brought you into, you know, what made you decide to be, become an NTP, uh, after getting a social work degree, even though like, I'm sure that like, you take all of your training from social work and put it into nutrition. Uh, so it's such a beautiful combo, but I would love to hear just what, you know, brought you along that journey. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's such a great question. So, oh man, it's one of those other things like, oh, I wish I had an elevator pitch about this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, with business, what was really happening was that, so I graduated, I have my bachelor's in psychology. Uh, so I've always been interested in just like how the brain works. Um, and after that, like most kids, I kind of worked at a coffee shop and like didn't really want to go back to school and just wanted, I don't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure. Uh, but every single job I worked, I also like didn't love and maybe some capacity and change for whatever reason. But every time I left a job and started a new job and they started to like accrue, right? Like over the years, mm-hmm. I kept on coming back to the fact that I was like, I think I want to work for myself. Mm. like this job isn't bad there's nothing wrong with it but like there's something else inside of me that like I just I'm curious and I should chase that curiosity so after like my last job which I was working on organic farm I was out in the fields in Colorado like it was were you woofing I was woofing oh my god I did that too 
Really? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Oh, amazing. I highly yeah, recommend so everybody to more about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking and I looked for about six months, um, you know, kind of over the summer season. And it was this job that was supposed to be just kind of perfect because I'd been in an office where I'd never like, it was dark when I went to work and then dark when I left work in Minneapolis and I was out in Colorado and still kind of had a crummy boss. And so I was like, you know what? I gotta, I gotta do something about this. Like it's, it's no longer about the boss. It's about me. So I can't remember how I really got started to think more about social work, but what really got me is that I came back to Minneapolis from that farm and I had hurt my back and I was just like not feeling great. I came back and I was like, you know what, this field, like this career field of social work has its own core values. How incredible is that? Like I had never heard of that before that a career would have a value system. So I was really intrigued. Um, and so I started, I, you know, applied and started to work towards my master's and long story short, at the same time, I was also, you know, interested in nutrition the whole time. That's why I was whooping. I was like, let me learn about the vegetables because I'm talking about how they work in our yeah. bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the same time, I also started to get my NTP certification. I got them so I'd graduate from both programs at the same time. Oh, wow. So really, my hope was to work with kids on the autism spectrum because there's so much you can support them with via food and nutrition. And that had been part of one of my old jobs was working in that field. So I have a really big soft spot for kiddos who are on the spectrum. Um, and then life, you know, kind of does its own thing. And I was offered an opportunity at a gym to work really only on nutrition. So I graduated and then I'll tie this back to entrepreneurship because with the social work degree, I could work my way towards being a licensed independent clinical social worker. So mm -hmm. there was this end goal of working for myself. So I kind of flipped the script, started working for a gym in nutrition, and then after a few years went out on my own because I realized, well, hey, I can actually trust myself in this nutrition process. And that was something that I hadn't allowed myself to think about. I was like, oh, nutrition will just be on the side. It'll be friends and family. And like, yeah. maybe when I'm working with the kiddos, we'll talk about gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, just some kind of basic stuff. So it was definitely, you know, like luck of circumstances or really kind of working towards supporting these different communities that helped me realize, no, you can talk about nutrition. Like you can, you can be confident in this stuff and really allow your story to be shared that nutrition like changed your life. And if you want it to, it can change other people's lives too. So uh, partially, you know, self-propelled and also partially environment. Yeah. Well, it's, and it just goes hand in hand, you know, speaking of the mental health and, and the nutrition, I feel like, um, you know, nutritional psychiatry is something nowadays that like is just getting like the, with, we could have a whole other podcast about like the mind gut connection yeah. and everything. And it just like, you know, makes me so happy that this stuff is coming out. Um, and I really, speaking of just entrepreneurship, like if we talk about growth, like there's nothing that will give you the growth, like you know, business and having yourself on your Instagram feed, like I always say, like promoting stuff. And um, it's just such a beautiful journey. And like, I feel like even, you know, food struggles, business struggles, like all of those things, like just make you just like an almost an unrecognizable person on the once you get like on the other side of of certain things. Um, but it's all just always a journey. 
that, yeah. that we're always going on. It really is. And I think that recognition that it is always a journey and there isn't a stopping point can be really freeing. And maybe, you know, that even could tie into like diet talk. But I, I can't remember who, but someone was saying a couple of weeks ago, they're like, your business as an entrepreneur is really only going to grow as much as you grow. Like your yeah. business growth yeah. follows personal development and personal growth. Yes. And I so believe that because being an entrepreneur is one of the most difficult things you could do. But just like going to the gym and like doing really heavy, like heavily weighted lunges or whatever, mm -hmm. like hard stuff isn't bad stuff. Yeah. Change, even change. You know, I think a lot of us are scared of change. We, we can't predict what's on the other side or how it will feel in the moment. Doesn't mean it's bad. It's just different. Yeah. So if we can keep showing up to, and I think discipline actually helps with that. Mm -hmm. We can keep showing up to change and being like, I trust it's not comfortable. Or maybe there are like pockets of like yes. comfort what are the cool things that we can then accomplish? And that is something that diet culture really does not like us to believe because mm -hmm. diet culture, I really, really believe this. Like the hex, this like creature that's just, you know, God is like little dirty fingers all over our lives. It wants us to stay under its power. And small. And small because then we're working for it. And of course mm -hmm. it's going to like that. So we don't have to hate it for that. It just has its own agenda and its own ego. So can we step back? in entrepreneurship or personal development or nutrition or mindset, or whatever. Can we step back with all that and say like, well, what do I want? And yeah. I deserve to go chase that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I could talk to you forever. Like we, we had so many like little tangents of like, wow, we could just have a podcast episode about this. Um, I always ask just a few quick fire questions at the mm -hmm. end. Um, the first one is like on this podcast, we're huge readers. So if you could share like just a book that you've been reading recently or a book that you've read that's had a big impact on your life. Um, I'd love to hear like which book, which book it is or, or books. Um, yeah. If you have that. Yeah. So I recently just read a couple books. Um, the first one that I read in the last month or so that I really enjoyed is called Atomic Habits. Oh my God. Yes. I started reading it. I haven't <laughs> okay, good. It yet, but it seems, yeah, like, yeah it's really good. It's a, it's a great read. It's very non-judgmental, which is something I think habits and discipline, right? We can get into that weird yes. territory with them. So I super highly recommend that. And then from an entrepreneurship, um, I can't remember. I want to say it's Paul Jarvis. I'm not sure about the author, but there's a book called Company of One. Mm. And I think it's really, really timely for people who are similar to you and me, where we're kind of solopreneurs but also our end goal maybe isn't just to be by ourselves like maybe we want to develop a small team mm -hmm. I think that book really speaks to the power of what having a small like what small businesses can do that other big businesses maybe can't so like bringing power to being a small business owner love it yes uh yeah and there's a lot of like budding entrepreneurs that that are that have been listening and I've you know tried to give a little bit more business content just because I think that like again it's all just about growth. So mm -hmm. I feel like the conversation around business is, is awesome. And I love hearing, you know, new resources and I haven't heard of that book. Um, the next question is just purely selfish. And I'm always curious about this, like for people. And it's, if you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Ooh, oh my gosh. What a question. I know. <gasps> Everyone always has that reaction. Like, oh my God, what do I do? Um, well, maybe I need a second for the, like the, 
dinner or lunch or whatever. What time of day? Multi course. It could be multi course <laughs> even. Well, I'll start with the dessert. The dessert uh-huh. would be strawberry shortcake with mm. whipped cream, fresh whipped cream. That was um, birthday dessert for a long time growing up. So very, very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Gosh, the meals. I don't even know. What a question. I know. It's like, there's so many things. I always come back, like when I think of it, I'm like a loaf of French bread with lots of gluten that I haven't eaten in like, I haven't eaten gluten in like five or six years. Um, And just like a block of cheese and maybe some honey. That's like, you know, like simple, you know, but then I'm like, what about like an Italian? Like it's always like my last meals are, are gluten. Uh, yeah, yes, like, I'm gonna like I'm I'm gonna go. So like, yeah. might as well have like some pappardelle or like, you know, <laughs> something with tomato sauce or, or yeah, it can be something simple too. Maybe maybe it's kind of like a almost like a gourmet deli spread. Like maybe it's like picnic basket yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I definitely like little taste of all the different foods. But yeah, hearing you talk, like there's just you'll be so excited when you move here. I mean, there's amazing like local honey. There's one brand that I love in particular. This local, like super syrupy honey mm. over some like triple creme brie. Oh, with like oh, the perfect man. pink lady or honey crisp apple. Oh my god. Some of that stuff going on. Yes, yes. Free chicken salad in a little container. I want a lot of bites of everything. Yes, a lot of bites. Let's like, even like, that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a lot of bites of all the good. <laughs> all the good stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. the best. That's like my favorite way to eat. Um <laughs> we also talk a little bit on this show about um like spirituality and the sense of like, in my life, you know, spirituality plays a big component, just knowing that like, you know, speaking of like that macro view that like, I'm not alone. There's like, you know, so many weird coincidences have happened throughout my life that like, I can't, it's not just me. And it's not just like what we see here. You know what I mean? Like there's something else happening. And I feel like even in my moments of like depression, that has helped me get out because I'm like, there's so much more than like what's visible to the eye out there, especially like my whole fascination with like space and like, you know, thinking of everything out there. So like, what are your views on that of like, what if, is there, do you think that there's a greater force out there? Do you believe in the universe? Just your thoughts about, about that? Yeah, I think it's such a wonderful subject and it's something I want to learn more about. So I grew up non-religious. I didn't have kind of any religion to like combat against and then come back to or any of that story. But because of that, I really, you know, have this love for different religions. And I'm also very curious about like the parallels between a lot of them. So all that being said, I do identify as spiritual. And that is something probably since my like early to mid 20s, I've come into, especially I think during grad school, I mean, mm. I was in social work, I was like, oh, spirituality, like there's something here for me. I can't quite quantify or even qualify it. But I resonate with the fact that there is something bigger. I don't know if it's out there or in us or what. I can't really speak to it, right? Mm -hmm. But I actually think, you know, conversations around kindness, like coming back to the certain feeling where it's less ego-driven, it's less about you or me, where it's coming back to not even making the world a better place, but coming back to feeling present and able to be kind. I think that that perpetuates a feeling of something, wholesomeness, I don't know, spirituality, I don't know. But there's this feeling that I think whenever I come back to it, it feels really pure and beautiful. So I, I, yeah, I think there's, there's something that 
if we can come back to those feelings and however it appears for each person, that really is life changing for sure. And I think it has to be, I love that you talk about that on this podcast because mm-hmm. at some point you have to talk about it. You can't just keep talking about like the peas on your plate and like, the yeah, I know, right? like okay, we've had that <laughs> like, something else. Yeah. <laughs> right. We got to like dig either a bit deeper or just like shift the lens a bit so that we really feel compelled to show up to these conversations. And that is a really big compelling reason why. Yeah. And, and that like kindness that you were talking about, that feeling to me, like I bottle that up as like faith as like, Mm -hmm. not even faith in like, you know, Jesus Christ or like a God, just like faith in like that greatness that is within me. That's out there. That's like in a leaf and a flower and a butterfly and, or whatever living thing is, is there, um, you know, of like something for me, the big thing was like, okay, I can, if something happens, I can either like look at it as like, okay, that really sucks. I'm the worst. And I can create a story around it. Or I can look at it as a personal growth opportunity and I can have faith that this is for the best. And like, you know, there's two ways that I just stated. And in one of them, I don't suffer as much. And that really is like what it, I think I heard Martha Beck say that one time of like, people getting on her for like being too spiritual and too woo woo or whatever. I'm like, well, one, like, and it's not even about spiritual bypassing either. Cause it's like, you can still feel shitty when shitty things happen. And like, that's okay. I encourage that like <laughs> to feel yeah, like the embrace things. The shittiness. Yeah. Yes. Embrace the things, but also like, know that like something better is coming or, you know, this, this is for your path, your growth, your journey that like you're building stone by stone. So like, it just gives less suffering and a little more hope. Um, And that can be just whatever you call it. You know, it can be faith, it can be, you know, God, universe, spirituality, or whatever it is, but it's exactly what you said, just like giving yourself kindness in those moments where like, you don't want to be kind and and viewing things for your betterment and for your growth rather than, you know, um, like reinforcing that story that you've told in your head. Right, right. And the beauty that comes from creating like a, a practice out of that. I think that is something that religion or spirituality maybe yes. upholds in a beautiful way that I've had to kind of like teach myself to come to is that like, yes. come back, come back to it. And, yeah. or even meditation, right. Which does yeah. not have to be spiritual no, or religious no. at all. Yeah. But it's saying like, it's not about being a perfect meditator. Like, oh my no. gosh, barf. Like, I, know. <laughs> I know. But even though right. many people think that like, I can't do it cause I'm bad at it. And you know, right. all of those things that we tell ourselves. Right, right. It's really, it's almost just like, can you show up to the, can you show up to the practice? Yeah. That, that kind that's it. Of the, like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't matter what it is. Like, it can be anything. I think people get caught up in like, what's your morning routine? And, and what's mm-hmm. your, like, what's the way that you do stuff? Or what do you eat? I'm like, that's not the point. Like, the mm-hmm. point is like, figuring out what works for you and then showing up day after day after day like I really think just like the showing up aspect of of things is like all of it you know it doesn't matter what it looks like but like as long as you're showing up for yourself in some capacity every day like that's really all it is yeah and I think you know you're probably on social media a lot. I'm on social media. <laughs> yes. A lot. Oh God. Yes. I can too get much. so burned out. Right. Yeah. It can be too, like way too much. 
I get really burned out with people like hearing about the morning, like my morning ritual, like this is what yes. I do, this is what I do. Like, yes. and, and, like that can be a lot of its own noise in its own right. Yeah. But I think what has been helpful for me to flip that script even, because like, I don't want to be feeling crummy about things on my social media feed. Like that's why I add that into my life. But I think flipping the script and really saying like, oh my gosh, this person has found something that is so life-changing that they want to speak it to the world. Like how beautiful is that? Right. Like even coming to a place of appreciation for the thing that maybe would be the worst for you. Right. Like maybe working out at 5 a.m. is not so good for someone's adrenals, but it's the best for that other person where it's the only time they can work out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think part of that practice of kindness um, or faith or however we want to, you know, um, label it for lack of a better word or just like come to it is really saying like, can we accept can we accept the noise and appreciate it and also like be working our own line and having our own path at the same time? Yeah. I love that. Well, what a great place to end. Uh, <laughs> this has really been one of my favorite podcasts that I've recorded. I've just loved talking to you. Um, let the listeners know what you have going on right now. If there's anything that they can partake in and where they can find you online. Yeah, well, as much as I was just saying, social media yeah. is a thing. <laughs> I'm also very active and I really do love Instagram. I have found it just to be an amazing place. Um, so I love talking to people. So I'm Essential Omnivore over there. My website is essentialomnivore.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually building out a group coaching program that's not going to release for a little bit now, but if you follow me over on Essential Omnivore or go to my website or sign up for the newsletter, I have a pretty cool freebie on stress over there. But if you get engaged, you're gonna be able to like hear about it as it releases. So I'm really, really excited for what that course will be. And it really totally aligns with everything that we've spoken about today. And it's really coming back to what is your autonomy? What do you desire? Can you trust that? Cool, you get to go, go for it. Yeah, I love it. And and Lucia also does amazing uh, Instagram stories. Like, I'm oh, like, that's so kind. She's talking to me today. Like, <laughs> you do great. Like, because you talk into the camera, which I love when people do that, you know, and you have like conversations and stuff. And it's like people who are consistent. I like that because it's like, oh, I can expect something from from them. And and yeah, you give really valuable information. So be sure to check out Lucia's stuff at Essential Omnivore on Instagram and reach out to her if this conversation has resonated with you. And thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm just like buzzing with energy. I know. Super fun. Thank you so much for listening to Heart Food Podcast. To find the show notes for this episode, visit ashleypardo.com. Follow Ashley on social media at Ashley K. Pardo. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your family and friends and give us some love by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating and review on iTunes.